Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. This is where you can call in and ask your Bible question, make a Bible comment, even discuss with us, even disagree with us in a kind and friendly way on what we say because the Bible is right. It is going to settle all issues. That's the way we're going to settle all issues on this program is by the Bible. Appreciate you listening. Tonight, I thought we'd, we'd talk about the fact, while we're waiting on our first call, we'd talk about the fact that we're going to be judged in at least four areas. Doctrine, morality, helping others, personal evangelism. And there's really more areas that we're going to be judged based upon, but I think this is a, enough discussion here to get at our point that we need to be active and involved in everything God tells us to do. We need to have the right doctrine. We need to be living right morally. We need to be helping others less fortunate than we are. We need to be trying to spread the gospel to the people that we can come into contact with. Let's talk about doctrine to start with. We're going to be judged by God on the judgment day based upon our doctrine. I don't think a, a lot of believers realize this because they don't think that doctrine is very important. And they never study the Bible with the view toward finding out the right doctrine. They see all these different doctrines taught by all these different churches, and they say, but all the churches are right. It doesn't really matter. The doctrine doesn't matter. Just as long as you go to church, it doesn't matter which church you go to. When they say that, in effect, they're saying all these doctrines are right, that doctrine doesn't matter. They're really saying we're not going to be judged based upon the doctrine we believe. But I want you to think about this verse. 2 John 9, and this is from God's holy book. It says, whosoever transgresseth, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Now, according to that verse, you have to abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ to have God. Can you be saved if you don't have God? Of course not. The only way we're going to be saved is through the grace and mercy of God. And this says we have to abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ to have God to be saved. So doctrine is important. It's very important. If we don't have the right doctrine, we can't be saved. In mathematics, 2 plus 2 is either 4 or 5 or some other answer. All of those, 2 plus 2 is not equal 4 and 5 at the same time. And neither is it in religion. And all these churches teaching different things, they can't all be right. 2 plus 2 is equal to 4 or either 4 or 5. You have to abide in the teaching of Christ, the doctrine of Christ, to have God to be saved. If you're not abiding in the teaching of Christ, you won't be saved. Hmm. Sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? In Matthew 15, 9, Jesus says, But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Jason from Bangor, Maine. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, hi. Um, so uh, I believe in the Godhead, and I believe that we all do. And God has three separate identities, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, three and one. So what my question is, is I hear like a lot of people refer to the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and I know King James has Holy Ghost in there, but there's no ghost in the Godhead. Like, the, the Holy Spirit is our helper. We are sealed with that promised helper, Holy Spirit. So I think to refer to him, the third separate identity of Christ, they're all 
under the Godhead, um, is to grieve the spirit of God. Because Christ even said, when he was hanging upon the cross, into your hands I return my spirit. Am I right? Are you saying that this sometimes called the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, is, ju- is just the talking spirit about the Spirit of God? He's just talking about the Spirit the of God? Holy Spirit, yes. Yes. And well, God's Holy, ask- so Spirit Holy. So there, no. the, you, in effect, are saying there's really just two two persons in the Godhead, maybe, is what you're trying to say? Two individuals in the Godhead? So, God the Father, so God the Son? God, well, Jesus also referred to... Uh, if you see the Father, you see me. Like, yeah. we see the Father through Jesus. So what I'm saying is, um, so we know that the Father and the Son are one. All right? So but then we, we also know that he said that he has to go to prepare a place for us and that he would leave us uh, a helper, his Holy Spirit, which we we celebrate the, 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 uh, uh, Jason, uh, hold on a minute, Jason. So let's look at that. Jason, we'll get back to you in just a moment. And, uh, when the Bible says, if you've seen the father, you've seen me, that's not saying the father and the son are the same. That's saying the exact same thing. That's saying the exact opposite of that. When you say, if you've seen my dad, Kenneth, you've seen me, or if you've seen me, you've seen my dad, Kenneth. I'm not saying that I and Kenneth, my dad, are the same thing. I'm saying we're different. That if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. That means we're different, but we look alike physically. That's what it usually means for for humans. I look like my dad. So when when the Bible says if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that means we're talking about two different people. It proves that, not that they're the same person. Now, in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was being baptized, um, it says in verse 16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom, in whom I'm well pleased. Pretty clearly there, we see the three different individuals in the Godhead. You see the son, who's the one in the water or coming up out of the water, coming up out of the water. You see the Spirit of, the, of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove, and even though the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and it's lighting upon Jesus, landing upon Jesus, the Father speaks from heaven. So three different individuals or persons in the one God. You can see that from the from Matthew 3, verse 16. Now, John 1, verse 1 makes it clear there are at least two persons in the Godhead. We don't see the Holy Spirit here, but we can see at least two. You can see the Father and the Son are not the same. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was was God. And then it says in verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We know the word here is referred to Jesus Christ. He was made flesh, dwelt among us. So in the beginning was the word Jesus. Jesus was with God. So Jesus was with God, the father, meaning if I'm with my dad, that means I'm not my dad. If I'm with my wife, that means my wife and I are two different individuals. So Jesus was with God the Father. That means they're two different individuals. And the Word was God, not God the Father, but deity. I mean, I have three sons. I'm of the human species. You would expect my sons to be human. So if God has a son, you would also expect his son to be God or deity. So you see at least two persons, individuals, in the one 
God there. And in Matthew 3.16, you see the third, the Holy Spirit. Not the same as God the Father, because God the Father is in heaven, but the Holy Spirit has landed, lighted upon Jesus Christ. Let me see if I can get Jason back. Jason, you're back on the air. Go ahead. Yes. And uh, we can also see in Genesis, like in the very creation of the world, when there was darkness, his spirit was hovering over the oceans. And then there was light. So with his spirit brought light. So in the same interpretation, like we can see the the identity of his Holy Spirit and how his his spirit works. And uh, so we can see it in Genesis. And then even in the birth of Christ, it was Jason, his spirit that impregnated Jason, Mary. Jason, appreciate your call, okay? Appreciate your call. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you'd like to get on the air and the lines are wide open is 877-655-6755. So we're talking about how we're going to be judged in at least four areas. It's actually more than that. And we're talking about how we're going to be judged based upon our doctrine. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So if somebody teaches for doctrines, the commandments of men, instead of the commandments of God, their worship is in vain, which means useless or worthless. And since one of the reasons we worship God is to go to heaven, then it's not accomplished and it's not accomplishing its intended purpose. Then, then, then we can't go to heaven if we teach for doctrines, the commandments of men. Like second John verse nine, it shows that doctrine is very, very important. God is going to judge us based upon our doctrine, what we believe and teach, for example. Uh, well, let, just let me give you an example of that. A lot of churches teach, well, sprinkling babies, that's baptism. But the Bible teaches immersion of believers is baptism. Romans 6 verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So we're buried with Christ in baptism. When we, somebody dies and we take him out to the graveyard and we bury him, does that mean we sprinkle a little dirt on their head and put them all the way up under the dirt? We know what buried means. So if we're going to bury somebody in baptism, that's going to mean we put them all the way up under the ground. And if Acts 8, 35 through 37 reads this way, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So Philip is preaching Jesus to the eunuch in Acts 8. Evidently, something about preaching Jesus includes baptism because the eunuch said, here's some water. What's keeping me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. May what? Be baptized. Implying that if you don't believe, you may not be baptized. So baptism is a burial, an immersion. You have to believe first. After all, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It takes both belief and baptism to be saved. And belief has to come before baptism. So here's a, a doctrinal point. A lot of churches will say sprinkling of a baby, that's baptism. But if you accept what the Bible says, doctrinally, the Bible teaches that baptism is the immersion of a believer for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2.38. And God's going to judge us on our doctrine, what we believe and practice in religion. Another passage that teaches that is 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, which reads, Take heed unto thyself, 
and unto thy doctrine, unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Take heed unto yourself and to your doctrine. Continue in that. Because in that you're going to save yourself and them that hear thee. Doctrine is very, very important. What we believe and teach in religion is very, very important. We have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, Second John 9, in order to have God to be saved. It's that important. We're going to be judged on the judgment day based upon our doctrine. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. We're also going to be judged, if you want to make these distinctions, we're also going to be judged based upon our morality, how we live. Do we live a moral lifestyle? Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says this. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so if we don't give up these sins... In becoming a Christian or after a Christian, if we're guilty of these sins, if we don't give them up, we'll not inherit the kingdom of God. God is going to judge us, judge our morality. Tommy from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, I just heard you uh, mention you couldn't be saved without being baptized. Yeah, I read Mark sixteen sixteen. That's right. Jesus said that. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What about the thief on the cross? Well, the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam and Eve and Abraham and Noah and Moses didn't have to be baptized. Baptism is strictly a New Testament ordinance. The thief on the cross and all those other guys lived and died while the Old Testament law was still binding. The great commission that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The the passages that teach you got to be baptized to be saved didn't come along until after the thief was already dead, Tommy. Does that make sense? Well, it does, but I mean... I've just always heard it was an act of obedience after salvation. Yeah, let me, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but here's Hebrews 9, 16 and 17. It's talking about the New Testament, you know, which we're under, Matthew through Revelation. It says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is no strength at all while the testator living. My parents made out their will in the 1970s leaving what they owned to us four boys, us four brothers. But that will didn't go into effect until after the death of the two testators, after the death of both parents. The New Testament law didn't go into effect until after the death of Jesus Christ. And actually, Luke twenty four forty seven pinpoints it to saying repentance and remission of sins will be begin to be preached at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. So baptism wasn't really required for all nations, every creature, in the name of Jesus Christ, until Acts chapter 2, which is many days after the three thief died. Now, you've been taught that baptism is, a, is an act of obedience by somebody that's already been saved, but the Bible never teaches that, Tommy. Let me ask you to consider another passage. I've already read to you Mark 16, 16. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, what do you think about this passage, Tommy? P, Acts two thirty eight. Peter said unto them, repent, he's talking to believers here, 
repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Doesn't that sound like you got to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins, Tommy? Uh, I guess it does, but what about John 3.16? Okay. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, you've got to believe in order to be saved, but John 3.16 is not telling us everything we have to do to be saved. I mean, it doesn't even mention repentance. Of course, you would agree a person has to repent of their sins to be saved, right? Tommy, well, I mean, I a gay, just because a gay person believes in Jesus, that doesn't mean they're going to be saved, a homosexual, right? Well, I mean, when you call upon the Lord, you're turned away from where you were. Right. And so John 3.16 doesn't mention calling upon the name of the Lord. It just mentions believing. And so John 3.16 is saying you've got to believe to be saved, but not all of the truth is ever going to be in one verse. It's not telling you everything you have to do to be saved. John 3.16 is saying you've got to believe to be saved. Mark 16, 16 is saying you've got to believe and be baptized to be saved. Acts 2.38 is saying you've got to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins. In Acts 22.16, Saul of Tarsus was told, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. So he had to be baptized to, be, to get his sins washed away by the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism doth also now save us. So, Tommy, I don't think God would say baptism saves us if we didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Do you? Well, I mean, I just, I, I guess I've just been brought up where, you know, if you believe in that Jesus is the Son of God, you are saved, and that you, by doing that, you've already turned directions, so that's repentance. You've had a change of mind, and that, you know, uh, baptism was just an act of obedience, a public display that you have accepted mm -hmm. Christ. Do you ever read about that uh, in the Bible, that baptism is a public display that you've accepted Christ? Have you ever seen that in the Bible? Well, I mean, you're supposed to profess in public, right? But but I've never read in the Bible that baptism is just a public display that you've been saved or that you believed in Christ. I've never, that's not really in the Bible. I know people say that, but you won't find that that's the purpose of baptism in the Bible. Now, here's some people in John 12, Tommy, 42 and 43, that believe in Christ, but I'm I'm, I think you're going to admit they're not saved. So they believe, but they're not saved. It says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. Talking about believe on Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So here's some believers. But they're not, I think you would admit they're not saved because they hadn't followed through on their belief. I mean, the, James 2.19 says, Thou believest there is one God, the devils also believe and tremble. So even the demons believe in Christ, but they're not going to be saved, are they, Tommy? No. So belief is not enough. You have to follow through. In John 12, 42, they believed in Christ, but they weren't willing to follow through. They weren't willing to submit to Christ. They weren't willing to serve Christ. you got to do more than just believe in Christ. I mean, anybody can believe the king of England exists, but it's quite a different matter to serve the king of England. I believe the king Charles exists, but I don't serve him. Well, so a lot of people believe that King Jesus exists, but they don't serve him. That's not good enough. You're not going to be saved right. if you believe in him, but you don't serve him. We see that from these passages, right. don't we, Tommy? Yeah. Tommy, we appreciate your call. Maybe we can talk further after this program is over, okay? I appreciate your call. I want to get back in touch with you, okay? Thanks a lot. Have a good evening. Michael from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. Uh, I want to, uh, if Tommy's still listening, <clears throat> anything I feel like I can say to anyone as well as you, I know 
can help them. Uh, I feel like I should. He, he made the statement, you know, when he when he's talking about the baptism and and stuff. He made the the, the, the Senate statement. Well, you're 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 supposed to pr- profess in public, aren't you? You're not. You can be in the deepest part of the woods, fall on your knees, and ask Jesus Christ accept you, and you're saved. You don't you don't have to profess it in public. You sure? Right. And and, and I'm just I was, I was wanting to add that to Tommy. You know, not yeah. not not down him or anything, but you don't have well, to pr- profess it. And, and, and now, well, let me you, ask you, what you think about anywhere except Jesus Christ, and then you're well, saved. Me, so I just I, let I thought me ask that might help Tommy. And you and you add something to that, please. Yeah, Michael. Let me ask you what you think about this verse, Romans ten nine. Uh-huh. says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So there it, you it, go. And it doesn't say and it doesn't say anything about public. See, and I just I want I, I thought that might help Tommy out. You don't have to do it in public. Now, public if unless the Bible means yeah, I, I'm thinking t- what Tommy is saying in public in front of people. Okay? If if I'm thinking that's what he said. I'm not putting words in his mouth, but no, uh, I believe the verse. What you say, I believe the whole Bible through and through. Uh, it don't matter where you are. If you if if, if you confess your sins to Jesus Christ, don't matter where you are, Jesus Christ going to save you. He, he's in your heart if you mean it. Yeah. You know, so, so, but, and it don't have we, don't have to be out in public in front of someone. Is what I'm saying. Thanks for your call, Michael. But we we've seen from First Peter three twenty one that says baptism doth also now save us, and we see from Acts twenty two sixteen. Saul of Tarsus was told, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We saw from Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We saw from Acts 2, 38, Peter told believers, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So what we're talking about with Tommy is you're going to have to be baptized to be saved, just believing. Oh, yes. All yes, by itself now, is yeah, not good now, what, what, Yes, what you and Tommy talked about mo- most definitely. Um, and then I agree, you know, with the, with the sprinkling on the babies and everything, you know, <clears throat> exactly, the, you know, the Bible doesn't deviate what it says. And some people really don't know how to interpret what it says and, and take it differently. And, and there's things I don't maybe understand I have to, you know, talk to people about. But, no, you most definitely, you know, the, the, as you spoke and, and, and the Bible says, everything you said is true, and um, you, you, you must be baptized again. I mean, it's, it's, it's as clear, you know, of what's there. No, I, I, I don't. I don't doubt. I don't doubt anything in the Holy Bible, uh, King James version, um, uh, from end to end. Uh, my question, and I'll let you get someone else or, or a comment. Uh, things come to my mind sometimes, just, just out there things. Um, Michael, you better make your question quick. We're about to. Have oh, to go okay, off okay, here. okay. Why, uh, if you got got time, why is it you don't hear much talked about that women? Um, you know, being pastors and priests and whatever they want to call themselves, that, uh, you know, Bible speaks against that as far as women shouldn't speak in the church. You've got questions to go home and, and talk to your husband. You just don't hear a lot about that. Uh, I know a pastor is a pastor. You're not afraid to tell everybody anything. Um, but i just just curious, you just, you just don't hear that talk much. So um, uh, yeah. that's my, my comment question for tonight, and I'll, I'll wait to listen. All right. Thank you, Michael. So I think Michael's right on this last point. You don't hear that taught by many preachers and pastors much. But the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, and it's crystal clear. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. 
I've been told that 75% of churches across America and Canada allow women to preach from the pulpit, at least on occasion. But this verse is clearly against it. Why is it so many churches allow something the Bible is so clearly against? Well, I'm thinking that most churches have quit following the Bible. Now they go by what's politically correct or what will bring in the most people, or what they think is right. And so they let women preach, for example, or they allow gay marriage or they sprinkle babies for baptism because that's just what they like or they think is best. They don't pay attention to 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. It says it's a shame for women to speak in the church. They just completely ignore that and let the women speak in the church. And it's if you're tr claiming to be a Christian, you should be following the Bible, but churches aren't really following the Bible. We're going to have to go off the air. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate all the good calls. If you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free Bible study with me. Anytime you can do it, by phone, call or text me at 256-682-9753.